0: last week we talked about the good shepherd thank you in psalms 23 this week i want to follow up on that the good shepherd but look at it from a different context a different scripture of john the 10th chapter there's a real powerful verse there hidden in john 10 that says 7 through 10 it's not right i think it's john 10:10. 10, 10 i am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly let's pray Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we don't need just more information. We need revelation. We, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to open our blind eyes and help us see your word in a greater way. Help us understand you and, and how you communicate with us. Help us understand your nature, what you're like. Help us understand how you see us, who we are in Christ who you say that we are. Lord Jesus, we can't do any of this intellectually or through academics or through education. Lord, we need the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come, come and fall on us. Breathe on your people, Lord God. Breathe in your in, your, your revelation. Breathe in your inspired word of God that it would change our lives, Jesus, that we wouldn't just be playing church but we'd get changed forevermore. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've come that they may have life and have it it more abundantly. Why don't we open our Bibles as you do. There's the picture, another picture of the good shepherd. Jesus likens himself to a shepherd and likens us to sheep. Sheep are dependent creatures. They're kind of innocent, sweet, but very dependent creatures. So the shepherd cares for his sheep. That's what we learned last week. He Makes them lie down in green pastures. He leads them beside the still waters. He restores their soul if they get flipped upside down. Leads them in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. They can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not fear anything because the shepherd's with him. Thank you very much, sir. That's such good news about your mom or brother Darren. I mean, that's a miracle. I know this whole. This whole church has been praying for Sister Rilla and other groups and just she's got so many friends. Everybody's praying and I really believe we're seeing answered prayer. In fact, let me say it different. I know we're seeing answered prayer. It's miraculous. You don't just bounce back from brain surgery that quick. So go to John 10 and I have it on the board if you didn't bring your Bible. We'll just read this together. It's a lengthy passage. but Let's take just a moment and do this. John 10 1 through 6, I'm reading out of King James. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, is the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but they will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. This parable Jesus spake unto them, but they understood not what things which were spoke which were spake unto them. Verse 7. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth him, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he's a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That is such a powerful passage of Scripture. And there's so much hidden there the first thing to understand is jesus is the door uh, there's a lot of religions in the world and uh, but the truth is there's not you never gonna find salvation in a religion i don't care how big the religion is or how smart these people are how much information they have because jesus didn't come to the earth to show you where a door is he came to the earth and said i am the door i'm the way the truth the life no man comes to the father except through me he's the only way into the Godhead, only way into heaven, only way into Christ. Now another picture is the sheepfold. Sheep, they, if many shepherds, if they had kind of like a headquarters or down at base camp, they would have this sheepfold. And certain times of the year, every night, they would lead the sheep in where they'd be safe, and the shepherd would stay there at the door when he's saying I'm a door that's part that's that's what the parable the analogy is showing you don't have to worry about a wolf coming in at night because the shepherd is in the door he is the door now to understand this what we just read you need to understand John 9 John the ninth chapter the whole chapter deals with Jesus healing a blind man remember it's when he he spat and made a a mud uh, clay and put it on the eyes and there was this big debate, and the Pharisees were furious that they healed this guy because he did it on the Sabbath day. And they're saying he's got to be a sinner. He's got to be a false whatever because you don't heal on the Sabbath day. They were just furious at him. And Jesus at the end was talking about how they were blind. And because they're blind, their sin remaineth even. He was likening the sin condition of the Pharisees to blindness. And, and so then he comes with this parable and says, you know, I'm the door, I, I'm, I'm taking care of this sheep, I'm the good shepherd, but there's hirelings out there that aren't taking care of the sheep, and when the wolf comes, they're going to run away. So he's trying to say that the Pharisees were like the hirelings, you can, you can follow religion all you want to, but beloved, they don't have your best interests at heart, they just are trying to uh, serve their own purpose. Forget religion, forget the Pharisees, forget the hireling, stay close to the good shepherd. That's the whole message here, stay close to Jesus. The hirelings were the false teachers, the Pharisees. He was coming right off the argument of John 9 when he walked into this parable in John 10. And then he says, I am the door. To me, this is the heart of the passage and what I'd like us to focus on. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. That's the only way you're ever going to be saved, is to enter in through the door, to come to Jesus, to come to the cross, to give your heart to Jesus. This is salvation. is putting your trust in him. The thief cometh to steal, to kill, and destroy. The devils will do everything possible to keep you from having a relationship with Jesus, from having intimacy with Jesus. He tries to kill your hope, your faith. Your first love. The devil will will get all up in your life to try to get you to quit, to get you discouraged. But then he says, I am come that they might have life. I'm here to bring you life. And not only life, but life more abundantly. Now look, look what he said here. that He shall be, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture in and out and find pasture why does he lead us out to find pasture he's taken them to a green meadow he's taking them somewhere to eat somewhere to feast now what religion will teach you you gotta go out for crucifixion and back in for resurrection out for life to get all bad so you'll see yourself so you repent and come back in for resurrection out for crucifixion in for resurrection that's basically the concept of religion, no matter what form it comes in, out for crucifixion. In other words, keep working on yourself. Keep trying to get better. Now, the enemy uses these religious teachers of all types. of I was talking to a Jehovah Witness this week. And man, they, they got some strange thoughts, but it has nothing to do with Jesus being the door. It has everything to, to do enough work for God to make it in the 144,000. See, they they don't understand salvation. They don't even believe in hell. They believe if you don't make it, you just cease to exist. The enemy will use many different brands of religion, but the basic core issue in religion is you work harder and you'll you'll get a better reward in eternity. I don't care what, what brand it comes from. In and out. He says, I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out. He leads us out to find pasture to graze upon, not for more crucifixion, and then pasture for more resurrection. The in-pastures where they sleep at night, that where they rest at night. The out-pastures where you go out and graze. Are you following this? That's rubbing some of y'all wrong because you've heard it different. Religion will always have you working hard to do better. Look what Romans 6, 6 says. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified every other day, every other week, every other month. No, already, it, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. has already been crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So here's the problem. It's like dirty diapers. You know, I, I had three children, and my first child... Uh, I tried hard. The baby just came home from the hospital. My wife had gone out for an errand, and she told me to check on if he cries to go try to change the diaper. So, it cried, and I went and I tried. And man, I was I was looking at that thing. It was oh, oh it was the most foul thing I've ever smelled in my life. But I was trying hard because I wanted to be a good husband, and I wound up vomiting right beside the baby bed. So now we have. <laughs> So I, I got the diaper off the baby, and I just left it there and waited for her to come home. I think that was good. I didn't do that anymore. I just don't have the stomach for it. But but a lot of people's Christian life is like: see, you say you think you're changing, but see the baby messes up, so you change the diaper. You, you call that change. So baby messes up, dirty diaper again, so you change it. Dirty diaper again, you change it. Dirty diaper again, you change it. dirty diaper change it that can go on for how long a year, two, three, maybe huh but finally, finally, this experience comes along called potty training, and you don 't have dirty diaper anymore now you now you produce change. Some Christians never get out of that dirty diaper cycle; they never get the lasting change. see they mess up in sin they come to church feeling guilty, oh Jesus cleanse me, change me wash me in your blood they go home mess up, sin (laughs) come back, Jesus I'm sorry, cleanse me, wash me again they go home mess up, sin am I relating to anybody am I talking to myself here? come to church, Jesus, cleanse me, change me go home, mess up, sin i'm back jesus change me cleanse me you're 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 stuck in a dirty diapers dirty diaper cycle that's what you're stuck in you need spiritual potty training that's what you need see god doesn't want to just keep cleansing your mistakes he wants to bring this tremendous transformation in your life he wants to change you and but you got to start thinking different if you're going to be changed like what I'm talking about. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't come just to change our wrong behavior or to change our circumstances or situations. He will do both those things. That's not the primary reason he came. He didn't come just to motivate the lazy or strengthen the confused or to educate the ignorant. He came to reclaim his sons and daughters. He came to give us life. We were all born into death. We all only knew death. In Adam, we were dead. Jesus came to give us life. Jesus came to reclaim us. What I mean by that is is to make us what God created us to be. We lost it in sin, but but there was a blueprint that God created for you, how he wanted you to be in your perfection. And Jesus came to reconcile you back to God, to bring you into that reality that you would be everything he made you to be. When he says, I've come to give you life, that's what he means. Life. Look at Galatians 2.20, how many times that word life is in there. I'm crucified with Christ. That means past tense. It's a done deal. It's already happened at Calvary's cross. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. It's his life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I have is not even my life. I'm not living my own life anymore. I live the life of Christ. He lives through me. He lives through you. He's inside of you. You just got to learn to allow him to live his life instead of you trying to live your own. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life, his life, learn to walk in his life. There's a guy named Bob Hemp at Gateway Church that taught this little lesson and it just went so good with what we were doing. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life. Cause see, we've got to actually, the whole process of Christianity, is this, this progressive sanctification or, or becoming changed. And, and many people get stuck down at a low level, like the dirty diaper level, and never really do get changed like God wants to change them. So he said there's four levels. Well, he actually said five, but I picked up four levels of change that made sense to me. And the first being your environment. You know, this is where most of us reach out to. If, if, if things aren't right in our life and we're not happy, or we're not fulfilled, let's change something externally. Like if I could just get a new job or if I had a new boss or if I could get a promotion, I'd be happy or maybe I should need to change churches. You know, I just don't like that church. I don't like their songs. The preacher preaches too. I'm going to change churches. Or, you know, if I just had a new car, man, if my car's been broke for so long, if I could just have me a new red Corvette or something, man, I bet you I'd be happy. Or if I could just change houses, man, if we could just get in a better neighborhood. You know, I just need a little more room. I need, In my case, I want a smaller house. I'm tired of that money hole I live in. A black hole just sucks all our money thinking man i wish a tornado would hit that house to tell you the truth (laughs) insurance could pay me off and i could build something small i don't know what to do if i could just change houses if i could move to a new city i can't tell you how many times i've thought about that man i'd just like to go to colorado where it's nice in the summertime yeah yeah (laughs) and then some people think if i could change makes this is how bad it gets. I mean, this drives human behavior. Just if I, I need an external. The problem is no matter where you go, when you get there, you are still going to be you. No matter what you change externally, it didn't change you. Now, Paul and Silas were free even in bondage. They were free in prison. See, a lot of people think to get free, I got to get rid of the bars, That's not true. Freedom is not really an absence of bondage or chains or bars. Freedom is the presence of a person, the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. When you're walking with him and talking with him and in love with him and close to him, you'll have freedom no matter if your job's lousy, your heart, your house is lousy, or wherever you are. Freedom is found in him. So changing the environment is really not the key. So then we work on our behavior. I'll be free and happy once I stop doing this or stop doing that. See, we all got something in our life that we know we need to quit. You know, I told y'all the story. I ate a donut hole on Father's Day. Somebody downstairs persuaded me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going tell, tell you where it led to. I, I mean, I had fallen into sin. I usually go by and get a drive-through Dunkin' Donut coffee on the way to the store. But this time I had to go to the restroom, so I stopped, went to the restroom, I went to order my coffee. Well, guess what happens when you're ordering coffee at Dunkin' Donut? You're looking at donuts. And I'm thinking, man, I hadn't eaten a donut in years. And I ate a donut hole at church the other night. I mean, the other day, and it messed me up. Because now I'm sitting there lusting after this donut. And I got my coffee and I said, man, what, what does one of those cost right there? I, I tell you i grabbed it i looked on my shoulder was looking, and i ate that thing as fast as i could now i go outside i get in my truck and man i am so guilty i'm i'm just defeated lord why did i put that in my body how do i get it out of my body i just poisoned myself i see being a diabetic, it is a bad thing. God, this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I've, I've, I've told the Lord, Jesus, help me, cleanse me, start me all over again. I, I dirtied my diaper here, all right? I need to get... But we all have some kind of behavior in our life that we just think, if I could just stop that, I would be okay. And the other thing about the behaviors, thoughts and feelings are attached to your behavior. For instance, if you do something stupid, you will feel stupid. You will tell yourself that was stupid. Now you're believing that you're actually stupid, and you will do stupid again. This is a it's a, it's a triangle: thoughts, feelings, behavior. It's a, it's a trap. It's like arm wrestling with yourself. Ah, won, but also lost at the same time. Do you see that? you win you lose it's like the dirty diaper syndrome dirty diaper clean diaper dirty diaper clean diaper sin confess sin confess sin confess sin confess confess. diapers only take two or three years i'm 30 years in my relationship with jesus sin confess sin confess all right sin confess is anybody there anybody living in that place well, Brother Bill, that's what we think That's what you're supposed to do. In pasture, out pasture. See, I was taught you go out pasture to get crucified, and you come back on the in pasture, and you feel his resurrection glory again. Then you go out again to be crucified. The Bible says he leads you out to find pasture, to graze. He leads you back in that he could be the door to protect you. See, this process of you trying to work on your behavior all your life, religion's the one that's taught you to do that. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We don't believe it. Behavior, freedom is not the absence of change, but the presence of Jesus. We don't have the power to change some of the things about ourselves. This is why working only on the behavior level it, it won't ever produce lasting, eternal transformation because only Jesus can actually change us. Now you can do a lot. You can get manners, you can get etiquette, you can get education, you, you, you can become a pretty smooth, polished person, but none of that will take away the sin problem. It can't. If it could, people that went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Stanford would all be you know, the top Christians. No, it takes more than education. Jesus is the door. You've got to bring him your sinful self. And only the blood of Jesus Christ can take that away and change it. So, So behavioral change can come at a level, but never to the root, which is our sin problem. See, religion will get you focused on trying your best to change your behavior. I'll keep working on it. I'll work harder on it. You know, I'll wrestle my old man to the ground and I'll finally get this thing defeated. As long as you keep trying to wrestle something that Jesus has already killed, I'm telling you right now, you're arm wrestling yourself. You're never going to win. Jesus killed it at the cross. Your old man is crucified with him at the cross. The problem you have is when you got saved, you didn't know that, so you never received that into your life. And religion's had you trapped in trying to work on something that Jesus has already killed. In and out, in and out, in and out. Sin confess, sin confess, sin confess, sin confess. Third level, first level was environment. Second level, behavior. Third level, belief. Don't confuse belief with thought. Thoughts live in our mind. Beliefs live in our heart. Now, you may say you believe our articles of faith but you may live as though you did not. You may say you believe what I teach, but you might be living as though you do not. Let's look at a few examples and see if we can draw this out. You may think with your head, God loves me, Jesus died for me, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm in Christ, I'm righteous, I'm a new creation. But you may live, I mean, you may believe these things. I'm stupid. I'm worthless, I'm not good enough, I'll never make it, I'll never mount anything, I'll struggle with my old nature, old man forever. If you believe the things on the right, you can't believe the things on, I got it backwards, yeah, you're right, you can't believe the things on the left. More examples, you may think God will never leave me nor forsake me. God is for me, not against me. We're saying that today. I'm acceptable accepted by God God loves me just the way I am I'm crucified with Christ Christ lives in me but you may really believe God is mad at me God is against me God is punishing me God has left me I'm not special to God I'm of no real value to God nobody's ever gonna love me see why do you not want to spend more time with God why are you not drawn to him every morning why do you not walk with him through the day it's because we believe something about god that is not true we need to find the deception inside of our hearts if we would believe that god loves us and understand how much he loves us we would experience this radical total transformation here's the difference the belief is like a contact lens over your heart You got thought, like you you say, I believe our articles of faith. You believe that with your head. Or I believe those things you just said, I believe with your head. But, but, But your contact lens over your heart is this is what you really believe. You might have a lot of religion in your head, but it's never, never made it to your heart. Because see, most of our wrong beliefs about God are shaped through painful, traumatic experiences of our past. You may have been a subject to spiritual emotional or physical abuse control or manipulation and because those horrible relationships those horrible experiences it's got you thinking you know god doesn't really love me if if god loved me why would he allow all this to happen to me i must not be valuable to god i must be you know somebody of low value because look at all this is the pain we've gone through in life if you interpret that to think wrong thoughts about god You're looking through the contact lens of your experience, and that's why you uh, don't really believe what God says is true about you. You I can't get an amen here. Y'all following this. How do we see God? Do we really know him? Do we really believe uh, what's true about God? And then what do we believe about ourselves? I, we did a few lessons on the attributes of God, and we got—I want us all to get thinking right about God. He's love. He's just. He's holy. He's true. He's full of grace and goodness, and he's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He's eternal. He's infinite, He's divine, He's immutable. I mean, God is just so cool, and the fact that He is all of that, He created everything, but yet He wants to be personally all involved in every detail of your life, and He loves you so much. You are His son and His daughter, and Jesus claimed to claim you back. He came to reconcile you back to God and make you everything that He died to give you. Oh, man, God loves you so much more than you've ever imagined and then we think about what do we really believe about ourselves how do we see ourselves y'all remember when beanie babies were popular okay so beanie babies cost about 25 cents it was this little stuffed animal and they had these little pellets in them and the manufacturing cost was about a quarter they made them i think in china shipped them over here and the retailers would sell them for 5.95 and 6.95 apiece but Beanie Babies became a really popular. This was just when the Internet was getting popular and eBay was new and popular. And Beanie Babies was the biggest selling item on eBay. And what the company did was, was, was cut the number of units on some of the Beanie Babies. Some of them had thousands of them, but some just not many. So those rare Beanie Babies, and got on, people were buying them online for 2000 $5,000 dollars. Rich guys all over the world buying them for their daughters. There's this one particular beanie baby they're looking for and they're willing to pay a few thousand dollars for it. So the manufacturer paid a quarter, retailers sold them about 595, but yet some people would pay on the internet three grand for one. My question is what's, what's a beanie baby worth? Depends on who you ask. To the manufacturers, only worth a quarter. That's what they were selling thousands of them per a quarter. They put freight in them, ship them over here from Hong Kong. A lot of expense involved. Retailer gets it. He's probably got a buck and a quarter in it, and he's going to sell it for five bucks, five ninety-five. But to that little blonde-haired girl that that man paid three thousand dollars because she wanted that particular Beanie Baby, that Beanie Baby's worth more than three thousand. That Beanie Baby's priceless. So what are you worth? Depends on who you ask. <laughs> you can ask a hireling, he's going to make you feel real bad. You can ask a false, a wolf in sheep clothing, he's going to try to make you feel like you're worth nothing. Because he can control you if he gets you trapped in this thinking of in and out, in and out, in and out. Sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. Sin. You know, if religion, doesn't matter what brand it is, if they can get you working on yourself where you got to work real hard to, to make it then they got you. You'll you'll come back time after time after time and keep sending checks, and they got you. See, what are you worth? man? Quit asking the devil what you're worth. Quit asking your peers what you're worth. Look into the Word of God and ask God, what am I worth? I'll tell you what he's going to say. He's going to say, you're priceless. You're a priceless treasure. A peculiar vessel. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're worth so much that I sent my only begotten son to Calvary's cross. And he died on a cross to, to purchase you back from death, hell, and the grave. To purchase you back from the devil's kingdom. You're worth so much that God sent Jesus and he shed his blood. That you might have this dynamite relationship with God. So you got to quit believing what, what the lens over your heart is telling. you got to get the truth from your mind you hear faith cometh how by hearing see when you read the bible start thinking this isn't me just reading the bible hearing my voice start thinking this is god speaking to me If you'll read your Bible as God's Word speaking to you and the source of life, if you'll hear it enough times, He'll tell you what you're worth and you'll finally start believing that what He says about you is the truth. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm going to believe that over my feelings. I'm going to believe that over what the devil's trying to tell me. Are y'all following this? All right, fourth, environment, behavior, belief. Now, what do y'all think the fourth level is? Don't, don't hit the pit on me when I do this, all right? Because I know I've taught about this a lot, but this is just kind of like another little way of saying it. Number four is identity. God created you with a blueprint made in his image and likeness. This is who you are. Sin marred and damaged the blueprint. Jesus came to restore you back to what he created you to be. Jesus came to reclaim his sons and daughters. What you do does not determine who you are. Who you are determines what you do. That's why it's so important for you to learn who you are. But when you get close to getting the revelation of this, get ready because the devil's going to do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy this is what jesus was trying to say in john 10 he said i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly but right before that he said but watch out because the enemy's come to steal kill and destroy he'll do everything he can to keep you from getting the revelation of who god is and who you are in christ or who you are through god's eyes the good shepherd hit the middle of that again i am the door by me if any man enter in he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture the thief cometh not to steal but to steal kill and destroy i've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly sin is more than just a bad behavior problem we think of sin and behavior we have bad behavior we sin it goes deeper than that see sin when i bring my bad behavior to god i'm bringing past tense to him we need a solution for present tense and for future. If if all your sin is just down in the behavior level, you're not dealing with present tense and future tense. Our problem with sin is far worse than what we ever imagined. If you have cancer, you don't take Tylenol. You gotta get a, a treatment that matches the diagnosis. And our sin problem is far worse than what we've ever imagined just is more than the dirty diaper thing you'll sin confess sin confess sin confess i'm not saying you're not supposed to confess and come to jesus when you sin you are but i want to get you elevated out of that lifestyle of the dirty diaper cycle where you're finally potty trained and you don't keep falling and having to come back keep falling in and out in and out in and out are you following me the solution for it was for God to send Jesus Christ to live the perfect life, to die the sacrificial death, to conquer death, hell, and the grave by the resurrection. Now, we were all dead in our sins. Sin is doing wrong deeds, trying to feel alive while being dead. When people sin, they're mostly trying to feel alive. Drugs, I, I just. I, we work with these addicts, I get it. They feel dead, so drugs makes them feel alive. Some people use alcohol. Some people use sex, gambling, high risk, high risk donuts, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, there's all kind of entertainment out there you ought not be messing with, that, trying to make you feel alive. And some people get into religion and even the ministry to try to feel alive. It's, it's sin is really dead people trying to feel alive. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. I've come that you would feel alive, that you'd have eternal life. I've come to take away your death, that you would have life. On the cross, Jesus came to take our death upon himself. He was perfect and would have lived forever, but he took our death, our sins, upon himself. Why? So we could live. After the resurrection, he now could give us life, his life. Remember, the Christian's experience is not living my life. I'm dead with him. I'm crucified with him. I'm living his resurrection life. At salvation, this actually happened at salvation, but most of us weren't in an environment to receive it. So here we are years later learning about what happened to us so we can walk in it. At salvation, we exchanged our old man for his new man. Our old nature, death for his new perfect nature, eternal life. We may not have known this, but that's what happened to you the day you got born again. Galatians 2.20, look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When did that happen? The day you got saved, the day you were born again. How many of you have been trying to walk in your new identity, saying I'm crucified with Christ, I'm walking in newness of life, but your behavior and your feelings and your thoughts say differently. How many of y'all are dead to the world and alive unto Jesus 24-7 every day of your life? How many of you guys are, um, you still struggle sometimes with sinful thoughts, sinful feelings, and sinful behavior? Now now I've asked a question where you get it. Yeah, there we go here's the deal there's something called phantom limb syndrome for like soldiers that lose their legs at war 80 percent of the people that, that are amputees that lose their legs it's on the internet 80 percent of them uh say they're say they're cut off at the knee their foot will be itching uncontrollably and they don't have a foot and, and they'll, they'll, you know, scratch your knee, their foot's itching. This has been going on a long time. They've been trying to, the, people would give them Benadryl, hoping the, <laughs> the itch would go away. That didn't work. Uh, you know, try to treat the symptoms. See, the nerves ending, used to be a middle nerve, and now it's an end nerve at the knee. It's sending the signal to the brain, foot's itching, foot's itching. There's no foot there, but... It sounds bizarre. Read it on the internet for yourself. Google it when you get home. Phantom limb syndrome. Our old nature works this way. It's dead. The body of sin and death is dead. But, but we live in this fleshly body that has a brain. And even though the old nature is dead, our brain is sending signals to our soul and spirit, it ain't dead. I don't care what Brother Hudson says. This is a mess, you know. I'm still a mess. It ain't dead, you know? I'm still doing the dirty diaper, clean diaper thing. You know, I've been, I've been doing this for 40 years. This is never going to go away. I don't care what Brother Hudson said, this is not going away. I'm going to go to a church where they don't teach that. I'd rather go in and out, in and out, in and out. I'd rather get crucified resurrected, crucified and resurrected. I'd rather wrestle my old man because I don't care what Brother Hudson says, this is not working. It's, it's because you're Phantom limb syndrome is sending the wrong signal. And so you got you wrestle that old man down. See, you're wrestling something that Jesus already killed. I think that's a little disrespectful to the Son of God. The Son of God went to the cross to solve that problem for you. But you don't want to receive it, so you'd rather keep wrestling with it on your own. Anyway, I taught this Jehovah Witness this week and it really got me all stirred up because, man, they got this complex, you know, I've studied the Mormon religion, but I've never studied that one. And they got this complex system that it's, but it's, it's going around Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the door. I'm going to lead you. Just trust me. Walk with me. Yeah, the enemy's going to come and he's going to try to, try to knock you out of the race. But if you'll listen to me, I'm going to give you life. If you'll just trust me, see, if you'll put your, when you, if you didn't do it, when you got saved, you need to do it all over and say, Lord Jesus, I give you my old man. I'm not going to mess with this thing anymore in my life. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm asking you to give me life, give me eternal life. And I will walk in eternal life. No matter what my, my phantom limb syndrome says, now, this will bring back lasting change. This is so much better than trying to improve your behavior. Now you're up on a level of identity, and this will change you. This will, you will change. Remember, it's not what you do that determines what you are. It's who you are determines what you do. You will quit dirtying the diaper. You will quit falling with the same things you've fallen with for 30 years. You will say no to the donut next time when you get there. I hope so anyway. I'm nervous about tomorrow. I got to drive right by that Dunkin' Donuts store tomorrow, and my little, my little my little foot that's cut off, sending something in my brain saying, "Man, you need another donut. You just got." Don't change your change your environment. That's not going to fix anything. Don't just try to change your behavior. Don't just try to get your beliefs right. Instead, learn who you are in Christ. Exchange your old man for his new man. Exchange your false identity for your true identity. Exchange your death for his life. Romans 5.10, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by what? His life so many people go to the cross and get saved by his death but they stop there and never learn how to receive his life Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly I think I only got a couple more slides we're all dead in our sins, we spend our energy trying to feel or experience life we sin looking for life we don't don't just bring Jesus your bad behaviors over and over he did not come just to change your behaviors, I must bring Jesus me Here's the difference. Quit bringing him your, your behavior. Start coming to the altar and saying, Lord, I, I'm bringing me. I present my whole self to you. Take it from me. Take, take my old man. Take my old identity. Take me. I'll give you. This is the difference in knowing Jesus as your Savior and knowing him as your Lord. Come and give your life to him as your Lord. Let him be the good shepherd in your life. You're my master. You're my owner. Govern me. I give you me. Good shepherd came to give us his life. Hallelujah. Jesus came to take our death upon himself to give us his life. The Christian life's not our own. It's Christ living in me. I hope y'all understood that. I worked real hard that you would. Would you stand up and give the Lord some praise?